Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Turnbull. He was as instant, as oratorical, as hostile, as indignant about redistribution as he had been about the franchise. He had been sure then, and he was sure now, that ministers desired to burke the question, to deceive the people, to produce a bill that should be no bill. He brought out his clause, and made Lufton his instance. Would the honourable gentleman who sat lowest on the treasury bench, who at this moment was in sweet confidential intercourse with the right honourable gentleman now president of the Board of Trade, who had once been a friend of the people, would the young Lord of the Treasury get up in his place and tell them that no peer of Parliament had at present a voice in sending a member to their House of Commons, that no peer would have a voice if this bill, as proposed by the government, were passed in its present useless, ineffectual, conservative, and most dishonest form? Phineas, who replied to this, and who told Mr. Turnbull that he himself could not answer for any peers, but that he thought it probable that most peers would, by their opinions, somewhat influence the opinions of some electors, was thought to have got out of his difficulty very well. But there was the clause of Mr. Turnbull to be dealt with, a clause directly disfranchising seven single-winged boroughs, of which Lufton was of course one, a clause to which the government must either submit or object. Submission would be certain defeat in one way, and objection would be a certain defeat in another if the gentlemen on the other side were not disposed to assist the ministers. It was said that the cabinet was divided. Mr. Gresham and Mr. Monk were for letting the seven boroughs go. Mr. Mildmay could not bring himself to obey Mr. Turnbull, and Mr. Palliser supported him. When Mr. Mildmay was told that Mr. Daubeny would certainly go into the same lobby with Mr. Turnbull respecting the seven boroughs, he was reported to have said that in that case Mr. Daubeny must be prepared with a government. Mr. Daubeny made a beautiful speech about the seven boroughs, the seven sins and seven stars and seven churches and seven lamps. He would make no party question of this. Gentlemen who usually acted with him would vote as their own sense of right or wrong directed them, from which expression of a special sanction it was considered that these gentlemen were not accustomed to exercise the privilege now accorded to them. But in regarding the question as one of right and wrong, and in looking at what he believed to be both the wish of the country and its interests, he, Mr. Daubeny, he himself being simply a humble member of that house, must support the clause of the honourable gentleman. Almost all those to whom had been surrendered the privilege of using their own judgment for that occasion only, used it discreetly, as their chief had used it himself, and Mr. Turnbull carried his clause by a majority of fifteen. It was then 3 a.m., and Mr. Gresham, rising after the division, said that his right honourable friend, the First Lord of the Treasury, was too tired to return to the House, and had requested him to state that the government would declare their purpose at 6 p.m. on the following evening. Phineas, though he had made his little speech in answer to Mr. Turnbull with good-humoured flippancy, had recorded his vote in favour of the seven boroughs with a sore heart. Much as he disliked Mr. Turnbull, he knew that Mr. Turnbull was right in this. He had spoken to Mr. Monk on the subject, as that were asking Mr. Monk's permission to throw up his office, and vote against Mr. Mildmay. But Mr. Monk was angry with him, 
telling him that his conscience was of that restless, uneasy sort which is neither useful nor manly. "'We all know,' said Mr. Monk, and none better than Mr. Mildmay, "'that we cannot justify such a borough as Lufton by the theory of our parliamentary representation, "'any more than we can justify the fact that Huncanshire should return as many members as the East Riding. "'There must be compromises, and you should trust to others who have studied the matter more thoroughly than you, "'to say how far the compromise should go at the present moment. "'It is the influence of the peer, not the paucity of the electors,' said Phineas. "'And has no peer any influence in a county? "'Would you disfranchise Westmoreland? "'Believe me, Finn, if you want to be useful, "'you must submit yourself in such matters to those with whom you act.' "'Phineas had no answer to make, but he was not happy in his mind.' and he was the less happy, perhaps, because he was very sure that Mr. Mildmay would be beaten. Mr. Lowe, in these days, harassed him sorely. Mr. Lowe was very keen against such boroughs as Lufton, declaring that Mr. Daubeny was quite right to join his standard to that of Mr. Turnbull on such an issue. Mr. Lowe was the reformer now, and Phineas found himself obliged to fight a losing battle on behalf of unacknowledged abuse. He never went near Bunce, but unfortunately for him— Bunce caught him once in the street and showed him no mercy. "'Slide was a little heavy on you in the banner the other day, eh, Mr. Finn? Too heavy, as I told him. Mr. Slide can be just as heavy as he pleases, Bunce.' "'That's in course. The press is free, thank God, as yet. But it wasn't any good rattling away at the Earl's little borough when it's sure to go. Of course it'll go, Mr. Finn.' "'I think it will. The whole seven on em. The ouse couldn't but do it.' They tell me it's all Mr. Mildmay's own work, sticking out for keeping on him. He's very old, and so we'll forgive him. But he must go, Mr. Finn. We shall know all about that soon, Bunce. If you don't get another seat, Mr. Finn, I suppose we shall see you back at the inn. I hope we may. It's better than being member for Lufton, Mr. Finn. You may be sure of that. And then Mr. Bunce passed on. Mr. Turnbull carried his claws, and Lufton was doomed. Lufton and the other six deadly sins were anathematized, exorcised, and finally got rid of out of the world by the voices of the gentlemen who had been proclaiming the beauty of such pleasant vices all their lives, and who in their hearts hated all changes that tended towards popular representation. But not the less was Mr. Mildmay beaten, and in accordance with the promise made by his first lieutenant immediately after the vote was taken, the Prime Minister came forward on the next evening and made his statement. He had already put his resignation into the hands of Her Majesty, and Her Majesty had graciously accepted it. He was very old, and felt that the time had come in which it behoved him to retire into that leisure which he thought he had perhaps earned. He had hoped to carry this bill as the last act of his political life, but he was too old, too stiff, as he said in his prejudices, to bend further than he had bent already, and he must leave the completion of the matter in other hands." Her Majesty had sent for Mr. Gresham, and Mr. Gresham had already seen Her Majesty. Mr. Gresham and his other colleagues, though they dissented from the clause which had been carried by the united efforts of gentlemen opposite to him, and of gentlemen below him on his own side of the house, were younger men than he, and would for the country's sake, and for the sake of Her Majesty, endeavour to carry the bill through. There would then, of course, be a dissolution, and the future government would no doubt depend on the choice of the country. From all which it was understood that Mr. Gresham was to go on with the bill to a conclusion, whatever might be the divisions carried against him, and that a new Secretary of State for Foreign Affairs must be chosen. 
Phineas understood also that he had lost his seat at Lufton. For the borough of Lufton there would never again be an election. "'If I had been Mr. Mildmay, I would have thrown the bill up altogether,' Lord Brentwood said afterwards, but of course it was not for me to interfere. The session was protracted for two months after that, beyond the time at which Grouse should have been shot, and by the 23rd of August became the law of the land. "'I shall never get over it,' said Mr. Rattler to Mr. Finn, seated one terribly hot evening on a bench behind the cabinet ministers. "'Never. I don't suppose such a session for work was ever known before.' Think what it is to have to keep men together in August with a thermometer at eighty-one degrees and the river stinking-like, like the very mischief. Mr. Rattler, however, did not die. On the last day of the session Lawrence Fitzgibbon resigned. Rumors reached the ears of Phineas as to the cause of this, but no certain cause was told him. It was said that Lord Cantrip had insisted upon it, Lawrence having by mischance been called upon for some official statement during an unfortunate period of absence. There was, however, a mystery about it, but the mystery was not half so wonderful as the triumph to Phineas when Mr. Gresham offered him the place. "'But I shall have no seat,' said Phineas. "'We shall none of us have seats to-morrow,' said Mr. Gresham. "'But I shall be at a loss to find a place to stand for.' "'The election will not come on till November, and you must look about you. Both Mr. Monk and Lord Brentford seem to think you will be in the House.' And so the bill was carried, and the session was ended. End of chapter 47 Recording by Leanne Howlett Lucky Land Casino, asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.